Our Father comes meant a lot to us for a whole lot of years. So has Mark. And it's been hard to see what he's been going through recently. But this is just a bit of news that is so encouraging and uplifting. And we pray that it will be to Mark and the family especially. God, we just ask that you'll bring Cam through. You've done it before and we've marveled in the last 19 years. But we just would love to be able to do that again. So we entrust them to you just now. With our thanksgiving for all that he and Mark mean to us. And we praise you for them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now just to put you in the picture, today's message really has to fall into what we could call four quarters. The first one will be called uh, the front quarter, or the quarter front. The next will be the quarter intermediate, and then there will be a quarter quarter third. But as you well know, in Denver there's been a serious lack of a quarter back. I have a a solution, Jerry. Bring back Dan Reeves. (laughs) Okay. You know, I've often wondered if this would ever happen. And it's just great to be here. It's a tremendous, tremendous answer. Uh, We've been over so many years. uh, So I'll just thank God for this one. I'd like us to read in Matthew chapter 17, please. Matthew chapter 17. And verse 22. Now, while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, Yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes? From their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, From strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. And when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. Imagine being linked with the Lord Jesus as personally as that. 
for me and you. This is my body, which is given for you. And there's another combination of me and you. In this particular portion in Matthew's Gospel, the things that stand out overall in the whole narrative are the thoughts of the Lord Jesus' omniscience and his omnipotence. That we discover someone who's all-knowing and alongside that he's all-powerful. He demonstrates this by indicating that he knows all about his betrayal. And he knows about his death and his resurrection. He knows uh, about Peter's impending arrival. He knows the content of the conversation that has just taken place between Peter and the temple tax collectors. And he knows that in the lake there's a fish. And he knows that in the fish's mouth there will be a coin. So five times over, in quick succession, we have the confirmation of the Lord Jesus being omniscient. But linked with all of these, we discover that the Lord is omnipotent. He would overcome the betrayal of Judas. He would overcome his death by the glory of his resurrection. He would overcome the question that the temple tax people were asking, uh, which you and I could put in among the inappropriate questions that the Lord Jesus was asked during uh, the writings of the Gospels. We have this one in Matthew, and you go into Mark, and in the storm that we were thinking about this morning, the disciples said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Very inappropriate question. And you go into Luke's Gospel, and in chapter 10, Martha asks a very similar question. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? <sighs> And you come into John's Gospel and the Pharisees say to the Lord Jesus, Who are you? Just the arrogance. Who are you? And then the Jews surround them and they said to him, Do we not speak rightly when we say that you're a Samaritan and that you have a demon? Yeah. Not only was he an outcast of the Jews being a Samaritan, as far as they were concerned, he was an outcast from heaven having a demon. And so you gather all these things together and what we have in Matthew 17 is just one of the inappropriate questions. And it's a lesson for all of us that whenever we're about to ask a question in our lives that implicates God and the Lord Jesus, make sure it's appropriate. Because to be inappropriate with our questions uh, follows an example that didn't come from what the Lord wanted to see in the hearts of believers. Does your master not pay? 
The Lord says, as Peter comes in the door, I want you to, I want you to think of this. Here's Peter with this on his mind. And he opens the door, whatever the house was, in Galilee. And he's going in to sit down with the Lord Jesus. I don't know if he even got sitting down before the Lord Jesus says to him, Simon, what do you think? And here's this person with all this omniscience. And immediately he stoops to ask a disciple, what do you think? And he wants to draw from a man who's not omniscient what his input is to the situation that he's just left behind. And how does he think that the Lord Jesus will provide for that? Because Peter has told them, yes, he does pay. But how is he going to pay? Does your master not pay? And so the Lord Jesus says to Simon, he says, uh, these people, who, who do these kings take their tax from? Is it from sons or from strangers? And Peter says, well, it's from strangers. From strangers. So Jesus says, well, that means the sons are free. And here he is as the son of God and the son of David. And they're asking, is he not going to pay the temple tax? He's the son of a king on earth. He's the son of the king from heaven. And yet they're asking him, why did they not ask Peter the same question? Surely he was over 20 years of age. And you have the provision way back in the book of Exodus that uh, the temple tax would be paid by everybody over 20. It says every man shall give a ransom for himself. And then it goes on to say he'll pay the half shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. That's the sanctuary, the shekel of the holy place. Or as it could be translated, the shekel of holiness. And here's the currency that heaven has prescribed to be donated in these early days to the tabernacle in the first instance. And yet they're never asking Peter, are you going to pay? Yeah. Because their aim is at the Lord. It's him they're targeting, it's not Peter. And you and I sometimes realize that when the adversary is having a go at us, that really it's the Lord he has in mind. He's trying to bring down the reputation of the Lord and not just yours. After all, yours and mine are not really worth all that much, are they? Uh, no matter how good we make the reputation. But the, the unreproachable reputation of the Lord Jesus is forever being targeted by the adversary. Does your master not pay? Well, he says, the sons are free. And that really meant that Peter was free too. Because he was the son of a king. And he was sitting beside him in the house. But he says to Peter, lest we offend them, you take a hook and go fishing. That's one of the best things anybody can ever say to you, isn't it? <laughs> I haven't heard it this time. <laughs> That's my complaint. <laughs> uh, I don't know when Peter ever had experience or practice in fishing with a hook. He was a man that fished with a net. But the Lord Jesus didn't ask for a net on this occasion because he's not after an exaggerated demonstration of his power. 
He's bringing it right down to the tiniest form of a hook. And he's going to show his power in that hook. And that first, that hook is going to catch a fish. And he says it will be the first fish. It won't be the second one. That's his omniscience. He says, and when you catch the first one, when you open its mouth, there'll be a coin in it. And that's his omnipotence. Because I, I don't know how many fishermen, fisherwomen we have here. But I'll guarantee one thing. You've never caught a fish with something else in its mouth other than the hook. Because it's impossible. It's impossible. Either a fish would swallow what it has in its mouth, or it will spit it out to take the hook. But here's a fish that's coming up first. By the power of the Lord Jesus. And he brings it up with this coin in its mouth. And the fish is holding the coin and the hook. But more than that, the hook is holding the fish and the coin. That's what matters. And it's a picture of the Lord Jesus who was absolutely held by the perfect will of God. And within him only was the full payment for your ransom and mine. It was a greater ransom than ever was expected towards the tabernacle or in these days towards the temple. You go and cast in a hook. And the fish that comes up first, he says, when you open its mouth, so its mouth's closed. When Peter takes hold of it and he prizes open its mouth and inside there's a coin. My Bible says a piece of money. Hmm, a piece of money. It doesn't say that in the Greek language at all. The Greek language tells you what piece of money? You know, if I said to you, uh, I found a piece of money on the streets of Denver, it does, doesn't really give you much information, does it? If it's a $100 bill, I ain't going to tell you, you know. <laughs> if it's a cent, you can have it, you know. But Peter is instructed, it will have a coin in its mouth. And that coin will be a stator. And the stator is exactly the amount for two people to pay the half shekel each. So here's the miracle of the Lord Jesus performed in this, the sea uh, of Galilee. And as that fish is taken and its mouth prized open, here's the very thing that Peter's looking for. And the Lord Jesus says to him, you take that. That's how he began the story, wasn't it? From whom do these people take? Well, if they want to take, we'll give. You know? The Lord Jesus kept the whole law. He made it honorable. Two half shekels really wasn't outside the scope of his power. You know? He was more than able to provide and pay for Peter and himself. But the amazing thing is this. When he says, or they said, does your master not pay? They used the word that he would use on the cross. It is finished. In the Greek language, it's tetelestiae. 
paid in full. And when they said, does your master not pay, they were using that word. And when the Lord Jesus gave the coin to Peter and told him, he says, you take it from the fish's mouth. That's the second take. And then you'll take it to them and you'll give it to them for me and you. And here's the payment in the Lord Jesus that he's making for Peter. But you go to John chapter 19. If we were in the north of Burma, we would just say, Azozohi. That's it is finished in the Chin language. Paid in full. And the Lord Jesus knew that what was demanded away back in Exodus 30, he says, uh, the rich will not give more and the poor will not give less. So it's the same est estimation for every individual. The donation is exactly identical. And then he says, uh, it's an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. You see, they could do that with the temple tax. It just means they, were, they provided a covering. You know what like it is when the tab comes to the table and there's that mad scramble to grab the bill, you know. Everybody's got super glue in their hands. You know? <laughs> yeah. But the bill has to be picked up and the person that pays it says, it's covered. It's covered. When you paid the temple tax, it was covered. But when the Lord Jesus says it is finished on the cross, he was thinking about something very different, wasn't he? He was thinking about the shedding of his blood, the making of atonement, the provision of a ransom where it would be the exact same price for the rich as for the poor, where everyone would require a ransom. And what he's outlining in this story in the Gospel we see fulfilled later in the cross, that when he says it is finished, he's thinking about your ransom and mine, that irrespective of our abilities, the ransom price is the same. No matter how old we are when we get saved, as a child or an adult of later years, the ransom price is the same. And he says it's an offering to the Lord. He, through the eternal spirit, offered himself to God. He was giving the ransom price, the price of the atonement to God. That you and I might be able to say, that were redeemed not with corruptible things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb. As of a lamb. The two, he took the coin and he handed it over. We're not introduced to what the discussion was at the end. But Peter went with that coin in his hand and he knew how it had been achieved. That here's the proof of the sovereignty of God in a coin. Just in a coin. The sovereignty of God was seen at the cross in the greatest possible way. We see it in things like creation. But to see it in redemption is the greatest demonstration of it. Where him who knew no sin God made to be sin on our behalf, 
that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The ransom price was paid in full. And when you and I were called, we discovered that such was the demonstration of the omniscience and the omnipotence of the Lord Jesus on the cross, even in all his weakness, crucified in weakness, yet raised by the power of God, that at that moment of giving himself for you and for me, certain things had to happen and other things couldn't happen. You see, the sovereignty of God takes care of man's responsibility. But it also takes care of man's irresponsibility. Yeah. They could not have put the Lord Jesus on the cross at the wrong time. And they could not have taken him off the cross at the wrong time. Because the scriptures teach us plainly that the offering of the Lamb would be a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice, which in the Jewish experience equated to nine o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon. And when you come to Mark's gospel, these are exactly the hours of the Lord Jesus being put on the cross and taken off when his work was finished. They couldn't break his legs because God said they couldn't. But they could pluck the hair from his face because God said they could. And when men plotted against the Lord as they did against the son in the parable that Jesus told, he said, they said, here's the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. And in the sovereignty of God, he says, you can do the first part. But you'll never do the second part. You can kill him. And that's where Jesus started. The Son of Man will be betrayed. And he'll be killed. So he knew he would be killed. He also knew they would never take his inheritance. And you come to Ephesians chapter 1 and you say, well, what is, this? What is his inheritance? We're invited to come to understand what the Lord Jesus has achieved in the cross for himself in Ephesians chapter 1. And you come down to around verse 19, and it says that you might know uh, the hope of his calling. And then it says the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. They could never take that. And that was the impossibility that the Lord Jesus is uh, indicating when he gives the story of uh, the man that would be taken uh, and killed uh, but as far as he was concerned the first bit would happen and the second bit wouldn't because the sovereignty of God always reigns supreme so the introduction that Peter made when he came into the house by a question does your master not pay the affront of the question is that the Lord Jesus would always have paid he would never have been in anybody's debt. But the greater question for which he came was that you and I were in debt that we couldn't in a debt that we couldn't settle. And he paid for that too. And when you and I get saved, 
That was him just whispering into your, your life. This is for me and you. Let's pray. Father, we just give you our thanks this morning for every thought that your Holy Spirit gives us about the Saviour. For what has been expressed this morning as we've remembered him and what we take from Peter's experience with the tax collectors. We thank you, God, for the presentation of Christ in both. Our Father, we ask you to watch over us, please, to continue to watch over Cam in hospital with Marg and Lisa and Mike and Leanne and all the grandchildren and all his brothers and sisters up there to whom they mean as much as they do to us. Watch over them all, please, as we give you your thanks. In the Lord Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.